0: Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Ever since the COVID vaccine was announced, there has been a lot of talk of mandating the vaccine. I had gotten into a number of conversations with different people, even going back as far as a year ago, where people have called me a conspiracy theorist or whatever for basically saying that the COVID vaccine was going to be mandated, that there is going to be a number of people that wanted to mandate the, the, the vaccine. And many of these people said, no way, this could never happen here in the United States of America, the backlash would just be too great. They said, and and it would not be even legal to do so. But as time has passed, the idea of mandating vaccines has has grown in popularity. The lack of accessibility to the vaccine made this debate, you know, kind of a mute point at the time because not everybody could have. Uh, you know, the vaccine given to them. And so why and how could you mandate something that not everybody could have? But now the time has come that everyone that wants to get the vaccine has gotten the vaccine. And the debate now switches to, you know, should it be mandatory to get the vaccine? The federal government is is moving to pressure um, many entire industries even to mandate the vaccine within their companies. They have come out and said that they're looking at withholding federal funds to, to companies that don't require the shot of their employees, such as hospitals, airlines, cruise lines. You know, they, they were the first to receive pressure from, you know, the federal level. And the Department of Defense just announced that all military personnel will have to get the shot. Now, democratically controlled states are getting in on the act and requiring state employees and teachers and essential workers to get the vaccine. Four airlines have announced that uh, their policy is either going to change or not change. They've announced where they come down on the matter. Southwest Airlines... American Airlines and Delta Airlines have announced that they will not be requiring vaccination of their staff. Uh, United Airlines, though, announced that they will require the shot. Uh, Norwegian Cruise Lines ha- have actually gone to court, believe it or not, to try to keep their mandate in place. They are mandating that all passengers provide proof of vaccination before leaving the port in Florida. The problem is, is that Florida has made it illegal to mandate the vaccine. So they've had to go to court to try to have all vaccination cruise lines. Now we are seeing other companies, Google, Twitter, and Facebook have announced a a vaccination requirement for coming back to the office. Netflix is requiring COVID-19 vaccinations for the cast of all US productions as well as the people who come in contact with them. Walmart, the nation's largest retailer, is said said all that the that its US-based corporate employees must be vaccinated by October 4th. This mandate does not apply to Walmart store employees, but they are putting huge pressure on them to to go ahead and get vaccinated. Uh, Disney is requiring all of its uh, salaried and non-union hourly workers in the U.S. to be vaccinated. And workers who are working on site but are not yet vaccinated must get their shots within the next 60 days, according to a statement that the company um, put out uh, to CNN Business. Employees who are still working from home must provide the company with proof of their vaccination before returning to work. Did you hear what I said? These are Disney employees that are still working from home and they must provide company proof that that, that they are vaccinated before returning to work. The company also said it has uh, started discussions um, about um, about vaccine mandates with the unions representing its workers. The company is also mandating that all new hires be fully vaccinated before beginning their jobs. This is a, this is all of the different policy changes that have had, happened at Disney. Now, BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager, is currently allowing only vaccinated employees to return to the office. Morgan Stanley, uh, their New York office, is banning all unvaccinated staff and clients from entering its headquarters. Um, luxury department store chain Saks Fifth Avenue is requiring that all employees be vaccinated. All new hires and current employees of the Washington Post will be required to demonstrate proof of full COVID-19 vaccinations. As of August 2nd, all employees working in Lyft's office um, were required to be vaccinated. and And if Uber employees want to come back to the office, they must be fully vaccinated. Another one, Tyson, one of the largest food companies in the world, will mandate vaccines for its U.S. workforce. Employees at Tyson's U.S. offices will need to be fully vaccinated by October 1st, and all other frontline employees will be required to get fully vaccinated by November 1st. Subject to negotiations, of course, with their union. Now, the company whose brands include Hillshire Farms, Jimmy Dean uh, sausages and that type of thing said uh, that the move makes it uh, the largest U.S. food company to require vaccines for its entire workforce. Walgreens is requiring vaccines. For all its corporate employees in the in the United States, team members based in the U.S. will be required to be fully vaccinated by September 30th, with any of the vaccines available. And just just uh, two days ago, McDonald's, uh, the McDonald's Corporation, said in a note to employees that all of the company's U.S. corporate workers must be fully vaccinated by September 27th. Now. I could go on and on with, with a list of of uh, corporations and hospitals and, and just whole entire industries basically that are requiring and mandating that their employees get, get vaccinated or be fired from their job. And many times this means that they cannot even go on an employment because they are violating the terms of their employment policy. Many are pushing back against this, though, and there are many reasons to not get it. And they are, they, they have made that choice for themselves. These people have looked at the evidence, they've looked at their situation, they've looked at the science, and they've said, "You know what? For me, it's, it's not uh, something that I want to do." They've made that choice for themselves. Uh, protests are actually growing around the nation, demonstrating their displeasure with these mandates, and there, there seems to be a split in how states and even certain companies are handling this. Here in the Pacific Northwest, we are under the the firm grip of of a liberal government. And because of of this many are having to make the decision to give up their careers they love and are good at and have experience in and have worked in in all their lives and and they've worked very hard in these these careers to they've had to choose to give those things up or inject something into their bodies that basically makes them human guinea pigs. Many are looking to get out of the mandates though. uh, And through, they're looking to do that through medical and religious exemptions. Many state governments are requiring doctors that are giving medical exemptions to put their license numbers on the form. And you can see why, because this allows the state to, Pull the license of any doctor that gives out, you know, too many exemptions. <laughs> many doctors are just not giving any for that very reason. And that's why you see many of these uh, pregnant mothers and uh, nursing mothers uh, that can't get medical exemptions, uh, even though their situation would call for it, because the doctors are just too scared to give them out. Now, on the religious exemption front, Employers that are subject to the Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 must reasonably accommodate individuals who notify them of, you know, sincerely held religious beliefs that prevent them from receiving the vaccine. Now, employers generally should assume that requests for religious accommodations are based on uh, sincerely held beliefs. That's, that should be their default. However, If an employee requests an accommodation and an employer has an objection um you know based for for questioning the sincerity of the belief or practice the employer can request supporting information from the employee so basically if you're going for a religious exemption it it all hinges on whether or not the employer Can uh, believes that you're sincere, number one, and can prove that you're not sincere, number two, if they're trying to get out of that. Uh, This information that the employer could request from you to, to try to prove that you're not sincere, this information could be a firsthand explanation from the employee or maybe verified by third parties. Third-party verification does not have to come from a religious official even or a member of the worker's religion uh, because sincerity is the metric and third-party verification can be provided by others who are aware of the employee's religious practice or belief. But employers are to be mindful not to pry too far and, and try to get too much information when it comes to this kind of thing. An employer that asks for unnecessary evidence risks the liability of denying a reasonable accommodation request, so accommodation is another factor in whether or not they uh, can grant these. Now, Statnews.com uh, came out uh, with a with an article, and uh, this was from Aaron Siri, uh, who was a, a civil litigation lawyer, and he said, "Ever since the Food and Drug Administration granted emergency youth author- authorization for two new vaccines." employers, schools, and other organizations are grappling with whether to require the COVID-19 vaccination. With organizations, uh, While organizations are, um, are currently free to encourage their employees, students, and other members to be vaccinated, federal law provides that, at least until the vaccine is licensed. Individuals must have the option to accept or decline to be vaccinated. This comes straight from from uh, a a lawyer. Knowing what an organization can or cannot do with respect to COVID nineteen vaccines can help them keep their employees, students, and members safe, and also save them from a costly, time consuming litigation. Even though the FDA granted emergency use authorizations for the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines in December of 2020, the clinical trials, the FDA uh, will re- rely upon to ultimately decide whether to license these vaccines are still underway and are designed to last for approximately two years to collect adequate data to you know establish if the vaccines are safe and effective enough for the FDA to license. The abbreviated timelines for the emergency use application and authorizations means there is much the FDA does not know about these products, even. As it authorizes them for emergency use, including the effectiveness against, you know, the, the, um, the infections uh, where they're asymptomatic, uh, where there's death uh, and, and transmission of SARS-CoV-2, the, the, the virus that causes the disease. Given the uncertainty about the two vaccines, their EUAs are explicit that each is, quote, and this is what they say, an investigational vaccine not licensed for any um, indication. That's comes directly from them. And, and require that all, quote, promotional material related to the COVID-19 vaccine clearly and consciously state that this product has not been approved or licensed by the FDA, but has been authorized for emergency use by the FDA this this is right there on the vaccine. These are not approved. These are given the okay for emergency use. The UAs are clear. Getting these vaccines is voluntary. The same section of the food, uh, federal drug, um, food and drug and cosmetic act that That authorizes the FDA to grant emergency use authorization also requires the Secretary of Health and Human Services to ensure that individuals to whom this product is administered are informed of the option to accept or refuse administration of the product. I mean, obviously, the federal government is saying right here under this authorization, it's saying that it can't require this kind of thing. For use, they can't require people to take it. Likewise, the FDA's guidance on emergency use authorization of medical products requires the FDA to ensure that recipients are informed to the extent practicable, pra- practical, uh, given the um, a- applicable circumstances, is the way they put it, that they have the option to accept or refuse the EUA product. So, it is right in there that that this is not something to be mandated it couldn't be any more clear in the same vein when dr Cohn, the executive secretary of the cdc the advisory uh, committee on immunization practices was asked if covid 19 vaccination can be required she responded that under the eua quote vaccines are not allowed to be mandatory this comes from the head of the cdc So early in this vaccination phase, individuals will have to be consented and they won't be able to be mandatory. Cohen later affirmed that this um, prohibition on on requiring the, the vaccines applies to organizations, including hospitals. The EUAs for both the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines require facts fact sheets to be given to the vaccination providers and recipients. I mean, why would they require you to see these fact sheets if it wasn't a choice? These fact sheets make clear that getting the vaccine is optional. For example, the one for uh, recipients states that, quote, it is your choice to receive or not receive the COVID-19 vaccine, unquote. And if, quote, You decide to not receive it, it will not change your status of medical care, unquote. So what does this mean in practice, really? I mean, we can get really bogged down in the weeds when it comes to some kind of legal mumbo-jumbo and that type of stuff. But what does it mean in practice? Well, when the FDA grants emergency use authorization for vaccine, many questions about the product uh, cannot be answered. Given the the open questions when Congress granted the authority to use these emergency use authorizations, uh, it chose to require that every individual should be allowed to decide for himself or herself whether or not to receive an an EUA product. The the FDA and the CDC apparently considered this fundamental requirement of choice important enough that even during the height of the COVID nineteen pandemic. They reinforced that policy decision when issuing their guidance related to the COVID-19 vaccines. This means that an organization will likely be at odds with federal law if it requires its employees, students, or other members to get the COVID 19 vaccine and that that is being distributed under this, you know, emergency use authorization. State law often prohibits um. The, the these kind of um, retaliating type of things against employees for refusing to participate in a vaccination uh, of federal law. Organizations that require COVID-19 vaccination in violation of federal law may face lawsuits under these state laws, not only to block the policy, but also for damages and attorney's fees. Such potentially costly lawsuits can be avoided by refraining from adopting policies that require vaccination or penalize members for choosing not to be vaccinated. Now, organizations are free to encourage vaccinations through internal communications, through educational events, through other measures to urge employees to be vaccinated. And they can take these measures as, as long as, number one, they are not viewed as coercive, Number two, the organization makes clear the decision regarding whether or not to receive the vaccine in, is voluntary. And number three, the measures comply with the requirements of the EUAs and the related reg, uh, regulations for these products. Now, despite this, companies and governments are requiring it anyway. It's almost astounding. Uh, Rick Richards um, from the Daily Reckoning uh, wrote this. He said, "In." Uh, said The Hill reported the barriers to a return to normal remain in the form of vaccine hesitancy. Don't you love that word? As millions voice skepticism over shots that have shown no serious medical consequences. <laughs> we, had a, we, had, we had a doctor tell our family just the other day, not a single person has died from getting the vaccine. Not a single one. We even quite. We even went back and said, "Are you, now you're you're saying not a single person has died? From, I mean, people have died from aspirin, but they're saying not a single person has died from the vaccine. Completely, yeah. Obviously, they're not our doctor. <laughs> well, it's entire. It's not entirely true that these vaccines have shown no serious medical consequences. What? Jim is saying a few people have died and others have developed severe side effects immediately after receiving the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine, which of course is not being used in the U S any longer. As a result, Austria has suspended the use of this vaccine while investigations are underway. Meanwhile, on, on uh, otherwise healthy 39 year old Utah woman recently died four days after taking the second shot of the Moderna vaccine, her liver stopped functioning uh, according to her doctor. To be clear, side effects and even death are not unusual among those receiving vaccines. Like I said, most people don't have serious problems, but no approach is 100% perfect. Pharmaceutical companies and uh, clinicians try to minimize such uh, events in the development and, and testing of vaccines. Public health policy is based on balancing Potential harm from the vaccine against the benefits of the vaccine in terms of lives saved. This information should be provided to patients so that they can make an informed consent. The risk may be low, but they do exist. And a small number of people may experience serious side effects or even death. But here's what's not widely known and is available from drug manufacturers um, and their own clinical tests on the vaccines. First, these so-called vaccines are not really vaccines in the widely understood sense. A traditional vaccine involves an injection, either with a weakened form of the virus. Uh, you, are, you are you know protecting against or, or a similar virus. Either one can produce antibodies that remain in the system and fight the actual disease if you get it. These new vaccines are entirely different. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here. We don't have time. But these treatments use experimental genetic modifications to inject you with the mRNA, which is a partial strand of genetic code. That mRNA then enters your cells and orders the cells to construct a spike protein similar to the SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes the COVID. This spike protein then precipitates antibodies that can reduce your reaction to SARS-CoV-2 if you get it. But the vaccine does not prevent you from getting COVID. And that's that's my point. And it does not prevent you from spreading it to others. And that may be new to you, that may be news. But the vaccine does not prevent you from getting COVID. And it does not prevent you from spreading it to others. The, The the spike protein remains with you indefinitely. In effect, you have modified your own genetic makeup to fight COVID without actually gaining immunity and without reducing transmittability. According to the U.S. Uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, if, you, if, if you're immune to a disease, you can be exposed to it without becoming infected. That's what a normal vaccine is. You can be exposed to the, to this virus or whatever and not become infected. But these vaccines do not prevent you from being infected or spreading it to others. Some have likened them to, you know, like the chemotherapy for a cancer that you don't have. Vaccines of this type with respect to viruses, are entirely new in humans. Studies have have not gone on long enough to evaluate long-term side effects. It's it's just just the case. These drugs are not FDA-approved. They are not being distributed under um, an emergency waiver to avoid the normal approval process. It's almost like we're being used as human guinea pigs. It is likely that most people receiving the drugs are unaware of these important differences between the new drugs and the traditional vaccines which raises questions about whether their consent is fully informed there could be there could very there could be really good reasons for vulnerable individuals to take these drugs i that i, I concede. But they should not be mistaken for the kind of smallpox, polio, and flu vaccines for which we are all familiar and we all probably have taken. As far as vaccines go, mRNA genetic therapy is a brave new world and one that is really not well understood. Okay, yes, they have, they have been working on these for 20 years or more, but not one single one has been approved. So based on this and the other things that that we've discussed, the making of these vaccines mandatory is totally out of line, illegal and immoral. And we need to stand up and we need to fight this. Now, I'm not saying that if you want you know if if you want to take the the vaccine that you can't take it, go go for it, take it. But to make this mandatory for, you know, reasons of employment or whatever, this is ridiculous. And you may agree with me and you may not agree with me, but I would definitely love to hear from you. And you can always do that at sensepodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Organite Communications.